Thank you for tuning into In the Fight with Bo Templin. On this episode, we have UFC bantamweight Randy Costa. This was honestly a blast to do. Like, maybe more than any other interview, I felt like this was someone I had a lot in common with, believe it or not. Um, we have a lot of laughs. We joke about a lot of things not even related to fighting, but overall, just a really, really cool guy. Good dude. And we were able to kind of just break things down. He was able to explain things to me that, you know, the average Joe might not see in the octagon. But this was a great, great episode. It's a really good conversation. I think you guys are going to love it. Um, so without further ado, we may get into it. Here is In the Fight with Bo Templin. This episode, Randy Zohan Costa. This is 1.37 p.m. Stories of hustle and grind from the intersection of culture, style, music, and sports. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it is Monday, April 5th, 2021. It is 10.30 a.m. here in San Diego, California. I am stoked to have on this very good-looking gentleman in front of me right here, Randy, the Zohan Casa. Thank you so much for the time, brother. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. How you doing today? Yeah, doing pretty good. Uh, enjoyed Easter weekend. It was probably the best week of the year, like weather-wise. So I was able to get out, play a little bit of golf. I got got to surf two or three times this week. So yeah, life's good. How about yourself? Yeah, that doesn't suck, man. I'm out here in sunny South Florida where it also doesn't suck. That's for sure. Yeah. So what's uh what's like? life like now that you're committed to the Florida lifestyle as opposed to those uh, Boston, Massachusetts uh, late springs that can get a little cold still. Yeah, dude, this was a long time coming. I, I belong <laughs> all day, every day, bro. This is, this doesn't suck. This doesn't suck. Um, have you been able to get your revenge tour on the gainer flip that you attempted a few months back? That, that that wasn't just a few months back. That was a little while ago. But no, nah, man, I, I'll do it again if I have to, as long as someone's recording it. But How high was that jump? It was probably like 30-ish. Um, that was my first time I had been to that that um, that cliff. That's in Massachusetts. Um, that was the first time I've ever tried a gainer. That was the first time I jumped off that cliff. Um, I, I used to go do a lot of like cliff jumping when I was younger. Um, and someone showed me that spot. I was like, sure, fuck it, yeah, let's try. And I was the first one to jump, and I... Tried to do a flip and then definitely didn't go my didn't go my way. Randy Costa, first team full send right here. You know what I mean? Full send right there. I have a I'm I'm a little bit of a I don't want to say daredevil like myself, but yeah, if you put a little bit of water underneath me and there's a cliff, I'm I'm probably gonna send it as well. I did a I did a backflip from like 25 feet in Hawaii, but okay. no gainer. I don't do the gainer. It's a different like game right there. I don't know. The gainer spooks me a little bit. You don't have to tell me, man. You, I mean, you saw my attempt. I had never even tried it before then. So yeah, I mean, you're fucking fucking crazy, dude. All right, so kind of cool that we're talking today because today's the seven year anniversary of your MMA debut. Um, you know, just kind of like opening that conversation. What do you remember from that day, I, dude? I remember everything. Um, so that was April April fifth, twenty fourteen. I had been training with Lozon for a, probably about a year at that point. I was nineteen, um, but I had I had been training for a long time leading into that. I remember it was the week before the fight, 
and I had wrestled in high school and all that stuff. And it was the week before the fight, and my mom asked me if I had that wrestling match this weekend. I was like, well, fuck, if you think I have a wrestling match this weekend, you have something else coming to you. Um, but yeah, dude, that was, it was, that was, um, that rush was the craziest thing I had ever felt. Um, it was just, it was just fucking bananas. I was no, there's no other way to describe it. You know, feeling it now is way different than feeling it then. You know, it's your first time. I'd never even been in a street fight, bro. I've never punched anybody. Nobody's ever hit me. I've never pushed anybody. I've never had like real where I'm trying to hurt somebody, you know, Football is a little bit different, but like in a real combat environment, it was cool, dude. I learned a lot about myself that night. That was that was a lot of fun. You said it's like really different compared to what you feel now. Is it is it different because you're more nervous now because you're facing crazier competition? Or do you think you're less nervous now because you have more faith in yourself because you've trained longer? I guess both. Yeah that's the most different is how I'm able to, to deal with those things. You know, if you, you get thrown right in, into a fight, into a sanctioned fight with a crowd and all those things, and you had never been in a fight before, you're just running on instincts. It was a 35-second fight, bro. I threw 17 head kicks. That's not a lie. That's 100% serious. I count, you can watch the video, you can count them. I was just lost it, dude. Completely lost my mind. It was like the, the, the adrenaline rush was... I had played sports since I was, you know, in a diaper, dude. Like, I'm, I'm used to competing. But that was just something completely different, and it was so fucking cool. It was like the, it was like a a drug, like a high that you just cannot get, and the only way to get it again is to do it. But now every time you do it, you get less of that kind of high. It was just so weird, dude. But it was so fucking cool. Damn. So, you know, at least for the last few fights of yours, like I mean, at least in September of last year, right? No crowd, no audience, and I'm not asking like you know what's it like fighting without an audience, but. What's it like anticipating maybe an audience coming back? I, I feel like there's going to be multiple guys who are not used to handling the bright lights and the huge crowds and all of that. What's kind of the expectation as that starts to open back up? Um, I don't, I don't really care. Um, going through like the local scene, I was fortunate enough to have like the best supporters and and family and friends. Dude, I was selling like my last local fight my last fight in the massachusetts scene i'm you know three and oh i had sold like seventeen thousand dollars in tickets so i'm used to having like a lot of people screaming my name and i i have the chills just thinking about like i'm not i'm not lying to you dude like we really took the roof off every fight that i fought on so like, i'm used to like that crowd fighting in front of in front of no or not fighting in front of a crowd was really weird to me because i wasn't I wasn't, I'd never been in this situation where I have to be fired up, but have nobody fired up with me. It was a really strange thing, but it was also very good because you could see things a little bit differently. Everything's a lot more calm. You're not, you're not as tunnel vision because there's nobody yelling at you, telling, telling you you're either awesome or you suck or you're going to get beat up or whatever it may be. It was, I, I'm really looking forward to like big time fighting in front of a crowd again, because I think I have one of those styles where, where I can kind of get the crowd engaged because I'm just kind of a fucking wild man in there. I'm not really playing it safe at all. And that's kind of what a crowd likes to see. So I, I, I can't wait, man. I hope the next one's in front of a crowd for sure. Well, I guess this is kind of a good segue. I was watching some of like your real old fights from the local scene. And one of the things that just like stood out immediately was the size of the cage, right? Those local fights, they're tiny ass cages. And then it shows like your jump from the local scene to your first fight in the UFC. And the cage looks massive just like monstrously large what is your preference i mean with your style uh whether it's like wins or losses what is your preference on cage size 
Dude, so so if I hadn't gone through the, the, the promotion that I fought in on the local scene, then my answer may be a little bit different right now. But now I don't really care because I've shown that with my style, I can fight in a small cage and a big cage would favor all the movements I do. So I think I can adapt pretty well with that. Um, I would probably say the the big cage is probably more fun for me if if it's the right matchup because the more room you have to run, the more space you have to cover, the more the more movement and, and like craziness I can bring. I don't necessarily care per se, but if you throw the opponent into the picture, then my preference will definitely open up. Do you think if like you were a one eighty fiver, the preference would change? Thousand percent, a thousand percent. I'm I'm a, I'm a lot smaller. You know, if I was fucking six foot two and you know yeah. two hundred pounds, it's a lot different than five eight and one hundred and thirty five pounds. You know. On the local scene, so typically what you do before you fight, you go in the cage, like to feel it, whatever, test it. I'll kind of see what's going on. And on the small cage, it was about a step and a half for me to get into the middle. In the UFC cage, it's about four steps to get into the middle. That's that's a huge fucking difference, dude. So I went from a step and a half to the middle to now a sold-out fucking arena at State Farm with a, with a cage where I felt like I need binoculars. It was just fucking outrageous. I do like the big cage, especially if you're fighting, you know, someone that's going to fucking try to just, like, hug you and get close to you. If you're fighting a, someone that's trying to do that in a small cage, obviously you can kind of see where the issue will lie. You talked about uh, your football days, you know, from back when you were younger or whatever. You just said you played a lot of sports. What's your, who's your NFL player comparison? My player comparison? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if, you know, like when guys are getting drafted, they're like, oh, he's kind of like, he's a mix between Troy Polamalu and blah, blah, blah. Like who's your NFL player comparison? How I played, ah, fuck. I really liked Champ Bailey when I was growing up. I was, I was kind of a oh rock. My God. I like Brady, obviously. Um, with, when I played football, there's some things, there's some harsh realities that you have to face in football. I'm a, a short, non-jacked white guy. I probably don't have much success in football. However, I was able to get by with a lot, with a lot of athleticism. I wasn't the strongest guy. I was never the guy to put my head in, in any of the tackles or anything like that. But I could fucking run because I didn't want to get touched because those guys hit fucking hard. Um, I don't know. Are there any other pussies in the NFL? If so, then I guess. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, my goodness. That's self-awareness 101 right there, by the way. Like, get into a sport where everyone's the same size. <laughs> that, I like that. I should. I probably should have done that earlier, yeah, <laughs> being yeah. realistic. Yes, man, there's some harsh realities out there that I'm glad I faced. So, I mean, I can watch – the introduction when you fought at the TD Garden a thousand times. Like, I, dude, that shit fires me up. Like, I, and I think it all is set up by the boos from the opponent first, right? When a guy's fighting in his hometown, it's not even as much, like, of course, it's about the roar of the crowd when your name called. But I also like that they fucking hate the guy standing across the cage from you. So, when you think about that moment and like you're now years removed from it, how badly do you just want to get back to Boston and fight again? Dude, that that's a feeling that, like, I, I like I again I have the chills. Like, I just, there's there's no, there aren't any words. I mean, the whole fucking thing, the whole fucking thing. I went out there in my 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 pro debut and and I lost right or my UFC debut and I lost. I got yeah. choked out at. And then I get to go back and I get a call to and be gifted the opportunity to fight in my hometown. How many people get to ever compete in their hometown arena? 
you know, let alone so early in their career. I had five fights. You know, that's just outrageous. And I was fighting on the same card as, you know, my mentor, Joe Lozon. I got to open up the night for him. And then, you know, to, to go out there and win like that, you know, now it's, it wouldn't have meant nearly as much, if, like, to get my first UFC win if it wasn't at home. I got to do it at home in front of all my friends and family, in front of, you know, Devin Carey's family. I'm, I'm sure you've read about my, my best friend that, that passed away. I got to stand in the middle and, and hold his picture up in the, in the middle of the TD Garden with his family sitting, you know, front row. And it was just, it was just so, it was a fucking, it, it couldn't have been written better. The only thing that would have helped is if I got a bonus that night, but I didn't get a bonus. But dude, it was just, it was perfect. I went in there, I didn't get touched. I put on a fucking sick performance. I opened a lot of eyes. And it was my hometown arena, dude. It was just, there isn't, it doesn't get better. It doesn't get better. I almost like don't even want to go back to and fight in Boston because I don't want it to not, to not, I can't beat that. I can't fucking beat that. It's like, I don't even want to do it again. Give it some time if, you know, we'll, we're, we'll work our way. We'll go top 10 first, okay. then we'll go top five. And oh, well. dude, when that comes around, when that top five matchup comes around and all of a sudden your name's mentioned in a potential title fight, and yeah. you could go back to the TD Garden. I mean, then that would be a good way to come back. Then we'll reevaluate. There we go. So guys beg to fight in their hometown, right? Their whole career. Like, beg for it. You'll, you'll see, like, um, Usman, Nganu, and Adesanya are, like, begging to go to Africa. Holloway has begged to go to Hawaii and fight there. If you could pick for one other fighter to get to main event and headline their hometown, who would you pick to go to there? Like, does that make sense? If you were the matchmaker, if you were Dana White and, you know, the, the brass of the UFC, who would you handpick and want to reward to fight in their hometown? Well, you have, you have to reward Max Holloway. I mean, that's kind it of- It has to be, right? Right, yeah, it has to be. Every, everything that he's done for the sport and, you know, the outside of the cage and just being a positive role model inside the cage as, as a fighter and people want to, you know, be like him inside the, and be a, outside and be a- you know, a great dad and in a in a just a journey a journey guy for the sport, not like a washed up journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since he was, you know, twenty two or twenty one, right? I think twenty one. Yeah, dude, it's just, it's just stupid. And we're talking about fucking Hawaii. We're not talking about going to Alaska, dude. We're talking about going to the beach. Yeah. You could. I. I mean, we've never done, or the UFC outside of like obviously the Fight Island is a different story, but. I don't know, man. An outdoor event on the beach in Hawaii, Max Holloway headlining would be absolutely nuts. So this is kind of like the equivalent of like a pop artist, right? They have a they have a hit song that goes off, right? Okay. And it's super sick for a year and they get to perform it a hundred thousand times, but then like it kind of gets old to talk about. Your knockout last year. Crazy wicked head kick. You know, after the fight, you love to talk about it. You love to talk about it for two months, three months. Does it ever get old kind of like talking about that shit? Or is it still just like, yo, it's my it's my song. Like, I'm okay performing the song over and over. Um, so that's, that's a complex question. My answer would be different if I had a fight lined up in the next couple of weeks and I didn't pull out of a fight. So they say that you're only good as your last fight. To me, mm -hmm. I'm as good as pulling out of my last one. So I don't really... You can see that when I was leading into the fight that I pulled out of, I was kind of a lot more boasting about, you know, that big head kick knockout. I haven't said a single thing about it since. I kind of recognize that, that you can't really, like, you can't live in the past. Like, that was a really fucking cool thing, but yesterday's home run isn't going to win today's game. Mm -hmm. kinda, you know what I mean? So, like, 
all that's cool. And those are things that I, that I, that I very much take pride in, but I'm not going to go and boast about something that I literally did last fucking year. Like there makes plenty of sense. Maybe in like, you know, kind of what I did this morning and, you know, in a, in a few years from now, hey, on this date and that year, this is what I did. But I'm not out there, hey, I fucking head kicked somebody. Like, yeah, dude, sick. Like, so did everybody else. Like, what the fuck? Makes plenty of sense. But, okay, fine. I'll talk about it. You don't have to talk about it. I'll talk about it. Dude, it's fucking wicked. It's super sick. It's crazy. Love it. Can you, like, some of the stuff that happens in the cage, so fast, right? Like, it, it could be the little intricacies that, you know, for us at home, we saw your left foot hit his head. Like, that's what we see at home. We're idiots, though. What is like the smallest detail about that head kick that you think most people missed? Dude, so th- this is this is where like I this is where I like to talk about because this isn't talking about like boasting and like fuck. Yes, yes. This is more talking about like, hey, for the How did it happen? After the sport. There 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 are things that I'm walking through in that fight where I'm actively analyzing my opponent. So if you watch if you watch through that fight. You can see that there were a few times where I'm kind of reaching out my hands like this, kind of see what his reaction, I'm just showing. So, yeah, so I just kind of kept showing, showing to see what his reaction was. And I noticed that from my right-handed stance and I threw my lead side, he would reach with his rear, with his rear side. So I knew that if I threw my left side, my left hand, he would bring his right hand down. So I knew that I just had to kind of throw a couple smoke screens and kind of get him thinking. He ran over that way across the cage. So I followed him and I switched my stance and he didn't see it. So I didn't give him time to think about it. I stepped, I kept putting my hands up like this. Now I'm, I'm processing this. I switched stances, right? Now I know that every time I threw my left hand out, he would bring his right hand down. He didn't see my stance switch. So now I just put the left hand out. I'm going to bring it over his head. So I'm going to welcome him. Hey, dude, you can slip this punch all day. You're doing a great job. Like, that's fucking awesome. I punch at the ear. He slips over to that ear, that right hand follows, and he gets head kicked. So I walked him into that. So I kept putting out, putting out. I noticed that reaction. He ran away, looked at me in my eyes. I swapped my stance. He didn't see it because I kept putting my hands up. I punched him on that far side ear, giving him only one option or two options, either get hit with the punch or slip into the head kick side. Either way, he was going to get hit with something, and I didn't give him an option for that. For the naked eye, it just looked like he's kind of just fucking doing mm-hmm. this bullshit with his hand, and he, and he threw up a, a funky kick. That was the second head kick of that, ex- or that that second knockout from that exact same setup that I've used in my professional career. Okay, so this might be a really stupid question. I'm just like unsure. So you're standing regular, right? Like, and before you switch stances, right? Yep. And you said that he was dropping his when you threw the left hand, his right hand would drop. Yes. But you said right as you did that, you switched stances, correct? To to southpaw. Do your shoulders stay square the whole time? Because I feel like if you were like closed off and then to go this way, he would notice if right. you were to switch. So what did you do to like hide the top half of your body? So since I'm switching, I'm still moving my arms like this. So you know, you don't really have a read. Oh. And you can't look at my hips because if you look at my hips, a punch come through. So the rule of thumb when you're facing somebody is you look at them right in their chest because their head's going to tell lies and their shoulders typically don't tell lies. Because where mm-hmm. shoulders have to rotate, that means that you can't rotate your right shoulder forward and throw your left hand. That's impossible. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was watching my shoulders, but I kept throwing things out. And I made a subtle switch in my, 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 my stance, my hips, that he didn't see because he saw the smoke screens upstairs. Damn. Looking at it, we could have had a different outcome. It could, have got a, it could have been a punch. But he didn't see that stance switch. 
I kept the smoke screens out. He bit on the smoke screen, which I gathered in my head based on past things that he's done. And I was able to, to capitalize on the opportunity. So I feel like in other sports, you know, like whether it's like a Michael Jordan turnaround 15 foot jumper or something, or like um, uh, a Tony Gwynn, five, five baseball, like between the shortstop and the third base. And there's like signature iconic moves. And I think in, in MMA, you have some of that. I think about like the, the GSP, like jab, right? Like the super extending jab, that head kick. Do you think there was someone that fought before you that kind of did stuff similar to that really well? Not, not to kind of what I'm doing um, with, with my style there. I try to pick off things from like Wonder Boy and from Marco Krokop and even mm -hmm. his, so a lot of like the smokescreen stuff. Yeah. Kind of things that they kind of do. And then you add, or that Izzy kind of does. And then with like the, the flashy kicks and stuff, that's kind of Wonder Boy-esque. Um, just kind of mixing it up. But I don't think any, and fucking everybody says this. So I feel like a, such a douchebag for saying it. But I really don't think that there are any, if many, guys in the UFC or, or whatever that move the way that I do. I'm not, I'm not a kickboxer. I'm not a boxer. I'm just fucking weird and it works. Yeah. How did you develop, like, how does that happen? How did, how was it developed? So, I mean, I started karate when I was a kid. So I have those, the, the funky kicks. And then I yeah. started when I was like 12 or 13 years old. Uh, and then I wrestled, wrestled in high school. So now I don't have to worry about getting taken down because I'm confident with my takedown defense. And then I started doing what's called American kickboxing. American kickboxing, there are, it's, it's regular kickboxing with no kicks below the hips. So it's all high kicks and body kicks. So if you notice, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not typically throwing leg kicks. So you, you, you combine all those weird um, like, uh, uh, styles that I've developed and you, and, you, and you couple that with the athleticism that I've gained kind of throughout my athletic career, my sports, and explosive and, and lifting and all that. And, and you kind of have this like athletic karate sport fighter maybe I don't okay know, or or athletic boxer with good kicks i'm not really fucking sure how yeah but it's just weird it, <laughs> it works and it's tricky and it's annoying do you have any uh like plans hopes aspirations of getting into like action movies or anything like when you're done fighting i mean i feel like your style would fit really well for that yeah um I, that would be that would be really cool um, but I would rather not do like a, um, how do I, like a, like a, like an acting role in terms of movements. I would much rather do an acting role in terms of me talking and me actually saying stuff or like some sort of analysis or, or something like that. The acting, like the, the, the stunt devil stuff would be like cool, but you don't really get like much spice out of it. And I feel like I'm, I feel like I can kind of project and talk a little bit better than to have myself muted. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so seven years ago was the debut. What does, if things went exactly the way you wanted them to, what does Randy Costa look like in seven years from now? Seven years, so I will be 32. I'm, uh, I, I'll still be fighting. Um, <clears throat> have a lot of money in my bank. <laughs> uh, I would like to open at some point my own type of fitness or or something in that I'm not exactly sure um but i definitely i'll stay in the fitness industry for forever but i'm i, I want to get into some sort of i want to dip my feet into other things whether that be 
analysis, whether it be commentating, whether it be acting, whether it be modeling, whether it be fucking anything, just something. I wanna, I wanna try everything. Why, why not? Like, let's do it. I mean, I'm already uncomfortable doing this fight and shit. So what else can it be? Well, it's kind of like symbolic of your fighting style. It's like, yo, I want to try karate. I want to try wrestling. I want to try boxing. Like, you're not going to – don't pigeonhole me. Yeah, you just want to do it. I don't know. So um, I want – I hope this comes across the right way. Like, you got, like, the signature highlight reel head kicks and finishes, and you're known for being exciting. But, like, you haven't cracked the top ten yet. And, obviously, that's something you want to do. And and you're not where you want to be yet. But there has to be pros and cons to being in the top ten, being in the limelight, dealing with all the noise. What's the thing that you're loving most about not being, like, in the top ten right now, if that makes sense? Like, there's got to be some benefit to, like, almost being underestimated. Yeah, dude, I mean, that, and that's definitely true. I, I like that um still so early in my professional career and in the UFC that I'm still kind of a unicorn. You're still not really sure how to read the way I fight. You're, you're not, mm-hmm. you can kind of pick up, start picking up on tendencies because it started getting filmed, but I don't have much fighting experience. So I'm still kind of a unicorn in that regard. So yeah. that's that I definitely don't want to fucking go away. I would rather people not have a read on me. Um, but unlike a lot of people, dude, I don't really like give a fuck about the belt or the top 10 or the, this, that, the other thing. I'm not in here to like, to like flex my muscles or to say I'm the best. Like, I don't really care. Like, that's all cool. I'm not really chasing like this, this artificial thing, like this, this thing, this belt, this, this physical thing. I'm chasing something that's bigger than that. I'm chasing happiness, dude. If I'm fucking happy, then I don't really care. Right. I'm out here. I get to live like uh, my dream, dude. I live in the fucking on the beach. And I get to work out all day and I get to fight a couple times a year and get paid for it. Like, dude, like it really doesn't get much better than that. Kind of a simple man in that regard. But yeah, dude, I don't, I don't really give a fuck. I'm, I'm chasing happiness, dude. They can go have their fun with the belt. The belt comes like that's great, but I'm not attaching like my whole happiness and my mm-hmm. whole goal and my whole dream to this one thing. Like I can have all the things that I want without having a belt. Like I can still get paid and be in the UFC and be happy and live life and do that without having a belt. Like, I don't really, I don't really give a fuck. I mean, you look at guys like, Cowboy. Cowboy's never had a belt ever, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody care? No, he's still going to have a legacy. But it, And he's fucking happy and he's living life. I don't really... I'm chasing happiness, dude. I don't really care about all the other stuff. Well, it's also like, dude, Cowboy's going to... First ballot, Hall of Famer, no questions asked. Like, I, I don't know. And I, I think there's probably going to be other examples of guys like that too. Like, I mean, Wonder Boy is like about to make a surge, right? He's going to try and make like one final push... You know, he's got the, the Burns fight coming up. But even if Wonderboy never won the belt, people would be like, oh, dude, Wonderboy, first ballot Hall of Famer, no question. So I think that's kind of something interesting in MMA is that they're not like, oh, if you don't win the Super Bowl, you're not a Hall of Famer. Like for quarterbacks, if you don't win the Super Bowl, you do not get into the Hall of Fame. And I feel like MMA is a little bit different that way because it's just the entertainment dynamic. Like if you're exciting – People respect it, which is pretty fucking dope. 100%. I mean, my, my, my mentor in the sport, my head coach, my manager, my friend, he's like a brother to me, is Joe Lozon. I mean, mm-hmm. Joe, those guys where, I mean, he got to a point where, where when he fought Pettis in Japan, got mm-hmm. if he had won that fight, he would probably be in line for a title. But he, he never won a belt. But if Joe Lozon's on a card 
maybe not today, but you know, five years ago, Joe Lozon was still a very relevant household name that everybody kind of knew he probably wasn't ha- going to have the belt. But we still know that he's going to put on fucking awesome fights. He's an awesome dude, great guy in the cage, great guy out of the cage, family man. This said, like all those, all those bells and whistles are like great. But if you don't have your own happiness and dude, like he he's not hurting for fifty bucks. So what's he need the belt for? Okay, tough question here. Fuck Mary Kill, Reese's peanut butter cups, <gasps> Reese's pieces, oh, and dude. Reese's puff cereal. Oh, dude, easy as fuck. Uh, the would, easy, the, the one of them's easy. But I'm curious about the other two. I would I would kill the pieces. I would marry the regular Reese's, and I would I would fuck the cereal because the cereal is just a one time thing. See you later. Got what I needed later. Wow. Yeah, yeah no fucking brainer, bro. So. I, I, this is super random, and I almost don't think you're going to believe me, but the movie Don't Mess With the Zohan, the guy that it's based off of, he was a dad at the high school I went to. Really? Yes. He no, lives what? in my neighborhood, like, lives in my neighborhood, real person, like, cuts my homie's hair for free because, like, my homie used to help out his sons with basketball. Hold the fuck up. That's yes. It. This is a based on a true story. Dude, he cuts hair now. I'm I'm not kidding right now. What do they call him? Is it, is he actually Zohan? No, I don't think I don't think his name's Zohan. Okay. I the, the last name I think is like Arbib. I think it's Arbib. The Scrappy Coco? <laughs> the Scrappy. No, so dead serious. I believe that is Would you ever consider a rebranding to the nickname the Candyman? No. Okay. No. Okay. Thing is that I have a lot more things alike with that movie than I do the Candyman, and the Candyman is kind of like another like tacky thing where you can kind of throw it against the wall and anybody can pick that name up. But, uh, I don't know. But like Zohan, who the fuck else has the name Zohan? That movie Zero. is fucking ridiculous. It's not even a good movie. It's a stupid movie. It's so bad. It's so bad, but it's but like nobody else. You're not. People aren't running after it to have that as their nickname. But, like, the Candyman, I feel like, is – you can kind of – any not anybody, but a lot of a lot more people can pick up Candyman than they can pick up Zohan. Do people ever ask, like – I don't know. Maybe this is stupid. But, like, do people ever ask, like, yo, why is your nickname the Zohan? Like, all, do people ask that? Yeah, all the time, dude. And I guess before the last fight, I got it a lot more. Now people are kind of still understand because after the last fight – like ESPN and UFC, they were tweeting out like, oh, Randy Costa, like with a foot uppercut or, or something fucking <laughs> like that or don't mess with us or whatever it was. But then they can kind of start picking up steam. So now kind of people are starting to understand. But I really think that the nickname is perfect to me. I didn't give it to myself. It was a surprise nickname. Uh, okay. Think- that might work. We also got to get you a, uh, we got to get you a picture, I think, with Sandler. I feel like that would be, that has to happen at some point or another. Like, can we get him to a fight? Maybe we can get him like cage side. And after like, uh, it, dude, if you hit a foot uppercut knockout with Sandler cage side, dude, I'll, I might get that tattooed. Yeah. Like I, I might get that tattooed on my body. He wouldn't get better than that, honestly. He just uh, bring two little fucking stupid shih tzus with him or something. And then it's perfect. Last question. Cause I know that this is complete bullshit is that you say you get fat after your fights. That's not true. I mean, bro, come on, dude. Bro, that's a thousand percent true. Dude, it's not. There's no way, dude. You are so shredded when you get into the There's no way. 
promise. I promise. I promise. I eat fucking. Dude. Last year when quarantine first started, I, I was booked to fight on UFC Columbus. UFC Columbus was March 28th. UFC Columbus got, got canceled on March 16th because of COVID. I flew, to, I flew to Florida on March 17th. By April 1st, so I was 140, 46 pounds when the fight got canceled. April 4th or April 5th, I was 183. Bullshit. I Bullshit, picked, dude. I pictures that, bro, I look like fucking Hey Arnold. My head just comes out here, bro. I'm not what? I'm, okay. I'm, so what is it? Is it the candy? Is it like the actual food? Is it like burritos or what is it? Candy. It's bad, bro. I love candy. So talk to me like, no, cause I honestly, dude, if, if my friends are who are going to hear this or whatever, they think I eat more candy than anyone they know. Like I'm talking every night I'm getting sour gummy worms and like Reese's pieces. I'll crush a Ben and Jerry's. What is is it daily, and what is it like on a daily basis? Out out of camp, bro. I'm, I'm not I'm not lying to you. It's it's really bad. It's like, it's probably concerning. It's borderline concerning. My girlfriend for her her mom got me for Christmas like the the huge like variety pack of Reese's is like thirty king size bars. Two days. Two days. Okay, that's good. I, I those eat, are dude. That <laughs> those are good numbers. <laughs> And right out, right after the fight, the last one, the first video I put on was like a fucking a handful of Reese's. I was like, I earned this and fucking just housed them. I'm not lying to you, dude. I don't stop eating candy. And like after fights and stuff, I like I go on a bender and I'll fucking yeah. back out and eating trash food and all that, which obviously doesn't help help it. But it's the peanut butter and, and, and the candy, dude. I, I'm so bad. I have such a sweet tooth. My mom too, bro. We don't stop. Um. Well. Okay, so those are like, dude. I think you're gonna think I'm lying, but I, I, those are my kind of numbers. Like the, those are the exact, dude. I'm the same boat. People tell me, dude. They're like, I haven't, I've never, like, I don't think you eat that many. This, that, like, you could probably have like four on a night. Like, dude, I have four on the way fucking home from the gym. What do you mean four a night? On the way home from the gym, I get four big cups, dude. How do we, how do we make this like sponsorship happen? I don't know, bro. I don't know. I. I, I, I don't want to chase the sponsorship right now because if I open that flood door, I'm not going to make weight mm -hmm. after a fight. Dude, I think we can do it, though. And I feel like a, a Reese's payday is real. Like, that's not a – that's a real payday for you. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I'm sure you see all the stuff that uh, I'm going back and forth on Twitter and Instagram trying to get that – the Dr. Pepper kid, the Adrian Yanez. <laughs> <laughs> we, we made a deal, dude. Once this fight <laughs> – as this fight happens, bro, the loser buys the winner a month supply. So I'm hoping that I can get this motherfucker to buy me like a hundred or so Reese's. That'd be great. Well, put me on Team Candy. I'm not really a soda guy, so I'm I'm like I'm a hard like candy guy. I love sweets. I don't really like soda that much. Um, in all honesty, that fight would be unbelievable. Like yeah. no, like all bullshit aside, that is a banger of a fight like what does that do to your body when you think about stuff like that yeah dude that, that's just it's just such a, a fun like it's i i don't dislike the kid at all yeah I'm exact opposite i really like the kid i root for the kid in his you know the last few fights I became a fan of him his story you know i i like it the whole he's just he's just cool he's not like the typical dickhead ufc fighter who's just looking to be a punk ass like he's like a good dude and like 
I just, I just, I just think he's really good at kickboxing. I think he's a really good MMA fighter, and he's a really tricky fighter. And I think I am too. So like, let's both get paid. Let's both mm -hmm. put on a show. There aren't any hard feelings. Like, there's not like I, I don't know him, right? I just like, I just like what he says. He doesn't know me. He just likes the thing that I say. He likes how I fight. Like, why can't we compete against each other? And then we can, then we can be friendly. Like, it's there. There doesn't need to be a window or a wall between like. If I get along with you, then I can't fight you. It doesn't have to be like that. I have a lot of respect for Adrian, and I just know that with our styles, it's got so much. He has no regard for fucking safety in there, and neither do I. Like, we're just fucking throwing limbs and hoping it lands on something. It will be such a fun fight, and I hope we can get it done for um, some pay-per-view card in, in, in front of some fans or something like that, because I think a fight of, of this kind of style where, like, we're, we're very fan-friendly in the way that we fight, mm -hmm. with fans, I think... It would be fucking great to, you know, top it off on an ESPN, you know, the prelims or open up a pay-per-view or something like that. I think there's a lot of fun that can be had with this fight. So is is uh, 262 out of, like, May 15th, is that out the window then? Or is you, are you still hoping that that's the case? Um, I'm definitely still hoping, but as a realist, I kind of re gonna recognize it's probably not going to happen. Um, but I'm still going to try because anything can happen. Right now, there are, like, 15 or so fights set up for that for that card, but... We see time and time again right now during these times with COVID, things happen all the fucking time. All it takes is one person's anything to have any kind of negative test, whether they have it or not, and the fight gets pulled. So there's definitely still hope in the in the fact that he's from Houston or, or Texas or, or whatever the situation is. I'm sure there's a lot more pull with that. And we're getting more stuff, more traction on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. Um there's definitely hope. I'm not closing the door yet, but I'm definitely not, you know, putting all my ducks in a row that that's where we're going. But I would imagine that maybe that card or um, or a card shortly, shortly thereafter. I think there's another pay-per-view like June 12 or something like that. Um, I'm looking it up real quick. I'm, I'm for whatever, dude. I, I just I would like it in front of fans, um, but I just think that's a fun fight. I think that's a very entertaining fight. I think the fight makes sense. We both have head kick knockouts. We both have right hand knockouts. I'm two, I'm two and one in the UFC. He's two and oh in the UFC. Uh, it, unless the only reason why I can see why they wouldn't want to do it is they wouldn't want to like do like a prospect for first prospect thing where they kind of, kind of. That's exactly what it, I was just going to say that that's the only re you're, you're both like headed upward. And in theory, like if one, you like the real, the real list, the realism is that one of you is probably going to get hit pretty hard. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if they want to stop either one of you on like your surge right now because both of you guys have so much momentum. Um, would love to see it in Texas because that would be sick. But I understand if it doesn't happen in time. But, you know, the guys are just trying to like stay ready yeah. so you don't have to get ready. Um, Rand, I, that would be a hell of a fight. I don't want to take – it's 37 minutes right now. So I've already taken up like 17 more minutes than I said I would. So, um, dude, I really appreciate the time. Would love if you ever make it to Southern California, have Evan let me know and like let's let's try and make something happen. Whether it's like a, a surf session out on the beach, like whatever it might be, let's try and make something happen because you're good people. I'm super stoked to see the way you're headed right now, bro. Like it's unbelievable. You're fan friendly, and this is you're fun, dude. So thanks for the time. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, dude, I appreciate having me on. And uh, when I am in SoCal, I will 100% be hitting you up. And um, yeah, dude, I appreciate you having me on. Looking forward to it again and looking forward to seeing the clips. God bless, brother. All right, dog. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right, bro. See you later.
And that concludes this episode of In the Fight with Bo Tremplin. Thank you so much to Randy for the time. Uh, he gave us a lot more than he had said he would or that he promised. So super appreciative, super grateful. I cannot wait to see where his career goes next. This guy is headed to superstardom. And it was a pleasure talking to him. I, I really hope. And I think we're going to do this again. So uh, by the sound of things, he enjoyed it as well. And man, that, that makes me happy. So thank you guys for tuning in. And we will see you next week. This is 1.37 p.m. Own your future. Start this minute. 1.37 p.m. is a Gallery Media Group original production.